doing? Good. Awesome. Well, like Katie said, my name is Blake, and I have the privilege of serving as uh, the student's pastor over at Friends Church in Yorba Linda. And so uh, it's a joy and an honor to be with you guys here. And this morning is, like Katie said, the last Sunday of 2022, because next week, obviously, Christmas Eve services are on Saturday. And so uh, it's a privilege to be here with you guys this morning and to seek God uh, together. And so I uh, would love to just start by praying, and then uh, we'll dive into God's Word in this morning. So would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for the year of 2022. God, we thank you for... Um, this building. God, we thank you for the work that you've done in our lives, Jesus, and we thank you for the love and the grace and the peace that you've given us this year. God, we pray over this morning specifically, Father, as we've had technical difficulties, we've had ups and downs this morning. God, we pray, uh, would you just tune our hearts into you? Would you help us to remove distractions around us? Would you help us to remove uh, intrusive thoughts? Whatever it is, God, would you help us just to focus in Uh, on you and what you have to say uh, specifically to each and every one of us this morning. And so, Jesus, we love you very much. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we are wrapping up the series called The Promise One uh, today, and this series has been all about uh, Jesus, the Promise One, scripture we find in the Old Testament uh, and promised uh, about Jesus in the New Testament. And so, uh, this morning we're talking about Uh, the promised one in Jesus as the good shepherd. And shepherd is a theme through all of scripture, uh, and we get to dive into that this morning. Now, before we start that, uh, I've got to start with a little story. So every year, my wife Haley and I, uh, we decided that we are going to take a birthday trip for each of us uh, every year. Now, because I work at a church and because she works as a fourth grade teacher, we don't have the money to do it for both of our birthdays every year. So we decided just to do it every other year. So Haley was this year. I was last year. So last year, uh, we went to Utah, uh, went camping, went to Bryce Canyon. It was a ton of fun. If you guys have been there, it's an incredibly beautiful place. This year, Haley chose, uh, to go to Lake Tahoe. And so I don't know how many of you guys have been there. It is a beautiful place. It is insanely wonderful and is awesome. And so her birthday is the first week uh, or the first week of December. And so it's going to be a snow experience. It's going to be wild. We planned out. And so we were locking in. We were planning for this trip months in advance. We were like, we're going to buy the proper snow gear. Uh, We're going to make sure that we have a great hotel to stay in that we've got uh, snowmobiling, fun things to do while we're up there for for her birthday to celebrate her. And so we were locked in on that thing months in advance, ready to go, super stoked to go to Lake Tahoe to celebrate her birthday. Now, to get to Lake Tahoe, how many of us have actually been there before? Maybe a couple of us. Okay, almost like all of us. Okay, you guys know this. Uh, To get to Lake Tahoe, you kind of have two main routes, right? You've got the five, you go to Sacramento, and then you cut across. Or you can cut through Mammoth and go up there. Beautiful scenic view. Two, two awesome ways to get there. Uh, so we decided, we're like, I've been to Mammoth before. Uh, it's going to be a beautiful view. We'll go through there. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a great trip. Uh, as we get to Mammoth, uh, we find out that uh, it's snowing pretty hard. Like it is, it is a straight blizzard happening through Mammoth. And so uh, we found out later as we got to Lake Tahoe, I'll spoil the end of the story. We got to Lake Tahoe. Everyone that we told we went through Mammoth, they were like, we can't believe you're still alive because that is the worst decision you could have made. Anyways, so we went through Mammoth. We get past June Lake, and we're at the top of this hill. And all of a sudden, you know, the snow's still coming down. I think we've got a picture 
uh, if the slides are working. If not, no worries. Like the snows are, the roads are completely snowed over. It's insane. Uh, and we're at the top of the hill and I drive a car with all wheel drive. And so I'm like, okay, like we'll be fine going down it. Uh, Ron, my father-in-law's on the phone with us. We're talking, we're, we're, you know, messing around. We're going down the hill. All of a sudden my car starts fishtailing, loses complete control. Ron's on the phone with us and he's hearing me say things he never wishes he heard me say <laughs> on the phone. Immediately in the middle of it, Ron, or Haley hangs up. Our car is spinning on this road down the hill and we're going and we almost hit oncoming traffic. We almost fall off the side of the road. It is just this terrifying experience. Uh, one in which I was like, I bought this car just so we don't do this. But we're going down this hill, sliding, sliding, sliding. Eventually, we get to a stop. And we get to the stop. We're just like both looking at each other like, this is the most intense thing we've ever experienced. We're shaking. We don't know what to do right now. The roads are, you know, it's just a blizzard out. Uh, and as we're sitting there, we see headlights come towards us, come from behind us. Our car is like sideways in the road. Uh, we see headlights coming towards us. And a car, a big truck, F-150, parks right, right there with his lights on. Uh, and so get out of the car. Uh, I don't even like bother. I'm just too focused on like how the heck do we get out of this snow. Uh, so I start putting on the chains on our car, and Haley goes to walk to the truck because he had a, a Caltrans sticker on the side. And so uh, Haley walks up to the truck. She starts talking to him and comes back to me, and she's like, hey, uh, the worker is actually pretty cool. You should go talk to him in a minute. <laughs> I was like, okay, I've got to figure this out first. So getting the chains on, all that stuff, trying to dig us out. Uh, and eventually I'm like, okay, I think we're in a good spot, but Haley said go talk to this guy, so I'll go talk to him. So I'm walking over to him. I'm still shaking, I'm still fired up. You know, your adrenaline's rushing, all that stuff. And uh, I walk up to his car, he rolls down the window, and he's like this, the sweetest old man just sitting in, the, in this seat, white hair, white beard, uh, and he's looking at me and he just, his name's Randy, he's like, hi, I'm Randy. Uh, I just wanna let you know, I'm so sorry the roads are this bad. He's like, this snow caught us off guard. Uh, I just wanna say, I'm, I'm really sorry. And, uh, but I do think that, uh, if you take care of yourself, if you drive slowly through the hills and uh, you, you watch the roads, you follow some, some lanes, some tracks in the snow, like you're going to make it, like you're going to be okay. And I'm like, Randy, you are an angel, my friend. <laughs> like, Randy, you are amazing. He, in that moment, Randy instilled a confidence and a peace and an, and an assurance in me in that moment. Randy was this Caltrans uh, angel, but he also was a shepherd to us in that moment. You see, as a Caltrans worker, their job is to sort of shepherd the roads, right? Their job is to shepherd the people going through these places, through these areas. And Randy, in that moment, uh, took care of Haley and I. He was calm, cool, collected, assuring, uh, and just very kind uh, and loving to us. And so Randy was this beautiful picture of what it looks like to be a good shepherd in that moment. And for us this morning, like I said, we're talking about Jesus as the good shepherd. And so our question for us uh, is simply, what kind of care can I rely on from Jesus as my shepherd? What kind of care, you know, if Randy can care for us that good, what kind of care can we rely on uh, from Jesus as our good shepherd? And so this morning, we are going through 
uh, a few passages from a book of the Bible we don't usually go through because there are crazy stories in there, most of which are not appropriate to say language in church, but we are going through the book of Ezekiel. And so if you've got a Bible, please open it up to Ezekiel chapter 34. We'll be in verse 10 for the moment. Ezekiel chapter 34. I'll give you one second uh, to turn there. All right. So to preface a little bit of the book of Ezekiel, like I said, it's a wild book, one in which we don't, we're not probably often familiar with. Uh, it's a book written by a, a man named Ezekiel, who's a prophet on behalf of God. And in particular, the unique thing about this book is that it's written at two different points in Israel or Judah's history. The first half of the book is written before this nation of Israel was conquered by a neighboring uh, nation in Babylon, and the end of the book is written after that happens. So you kind of get the before and after picture. And for us this morning, we are in the after. We are after Israel has been captured uh, by Babylon. And God in this passage, just to preface a little bit, God in this passage is, is essentially explaining a bit a little of his frustrations with the nation of Israel, a little of his frustrations with their leadership and really their shepherds. So this is a summary passage or a verse. It says this, This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. Now, in essence, what we're getting at here is that God is telling them, hey, your leaders, your shepherds, your kings are no longer going to be in charge of you. See, over the last few hundred years, Israel's had some really bad shepherds as their kings. They've had some people uh, who have worshipped idols, who have done divination, who have, child, uh, who have committed child sacrifice, amongst other things, horrible things, evil things in the eyes of God. And in the few passages before this, or a few verses before this, God specifically highlights that these bad shepherds exploited their people, so they took advantage of the people of Israel, that these bad shepherds didn't care for the weak and defenseless, and these bad shepherds didn't unite or protect their people. And so God, in essence, in, t in verse 10, is telling us, you guys, your leadership is no longer going to be in charge of you. You've had some pretty bad leaders. You've had some pretty bad shepherds uh, leading over you. Now, as I was reading this passage, uh, there was a news story recently that came to my mind that kind of, I think, highlights this a little bit for us. Uh, there's a story recently about a, a well-known lawyer, maybe some of us have heard, uh, who was just recently sentenced to 14 years in prison for what amounts to being a bad shepherd. He extorted his clients. Uh, he took advantage of them. He stole millions of dollars from them. In essence, uh, I believe the courts found that he stole over $8 million from his clients. Horrible things that have happened. And I think for us, we can imagine what would it look like uh, if you trusted someone uh, to protect you, to take care of your best interests, you specifically paying them money, uh, and for them to essentially stab you in the back. Uh, that is the picture that we get of these bad shepherds in Israel's history. These people taking advantage, or these kings, these leaders taking advantage of their people. Now, I imagine for us today, 
that while some of us might not or might not have been backstabbed by a lawyer, like in this instance, in this circumstance, many of us have in fact uh, been victims of a bad shepherd in the past. Whether that be in the world of maybe law, healthcare, business, or maybe even the spiritual world of the church, uh, chances are you've trusted someone uh, with something important, like your livelihood, uh, your finances, your spirituality, or maybe even your friendship. And they rewarded that trust uh, by instead giving you heartache, devastation, pain, maybe even scars. And before uh, we go any further, further, I think I... I have to highlight, we have a responsibility here to say uh, that there's been a lot of wrong done in the name uh, of Jesus by what God would call bad shepherds. There have been moral, financial scandals. There have been even physical, emotional, and spiritual abuse perpetrated by uh, bad shepherds. And I don't think we should ignore that in this moment. Uh, And for what it's worth for you guys, uh, for those of you who have, uh, unfortunately, suffered from being victims of that. Uh, as a pastor, I feel the responsibility first and foremost to tell you I'm sorry that you've gone through that, that you've experienced that. Uh, that is not what God has intended uh, from good shepherds to lead over you. Now, as we read this passage, a passage that deals with something that is possibly for us pretty, pretty personal, something that we could have experienced on our own, uh, I think it's important for us not to lose sight of what's also happening here. You see, in this passage, God, God sees the bad shepherds. He sees what, he, what they've done. He sees the evil that they have committed, and he's going to do something about it. He's going to do something about it. And for those of us here today who have actually experienced a bad shepherd in, in our own lives, I want you to, to know today, this morning, uh, that God sees you, that God loves you, and that God is doing something about it and has done something about it. And so for us, he promises uh, to be the good shepherd, someone that we can always lean on, trust, and never have to worry about taking advantage of us. And so God essentially lays out what this looks like for him as the good shepherd. So further in Ezekiel 34, verses 11 through 16, God spells that out for the people of Israel. He says this, For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he's with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture." And the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in a good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. And I think three things from this passage that we can take from from it for us, the three things about God, three truths about him uh, are this. Number one, that God protects his flock. God promises to protect his people. Number two, that God provides for his flock. God will provide for his people. And number three, God will unite his people. In 
before we go further, I think this is an important passage for us to understand in the context of the Old Testament. Uh, if you're like me, you've probably had some sort of characteristic of God in the Old Testament as maybe being uh, angry, maybe being uh, a little violent or frustrated. Uh, and then when you look at the God of the New Testament, you know, at least in my eyes growing up, I was like, oh yeah, God got a, a new brand manager. God got Jesus. God changed who he was. Like that is the new God. The God of the Old Testament is so different from God. And I think this is one of the beautiful passages for us that highlight his tender love, his care, and his protection for his people. And it highlights for us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so what we read next is that consistency from the Old Testament to the New Testament. God promises in the next two verses in Ezekiel 23 and 24 uh, to send a messianic shepherd, to send Jesus. He says, I will save my flock and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. And God promises us here that he himself, God in the flesh, in the blood, will come through Jesus to be this good shepherd that he just described. To get rid of any confusion, I'm sure we've covered it in the past. David, Jesus is from David's line. And so at this point in history, David is dead, long dead. And so he's not talking about David coming back from dead. He's talking about Jesus here. He's talking about Jesus. And Jesus in the New Testament explicitly says, I am that shepherd. I have come to be this same shepherd that God describes in Ezekiel 34. In a passage familiar with us, I'm sure in John 10, Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd. He tells us, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's actually a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not in this pen. I must bring them in as well. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. And ultimately what we get from this is that Jesus is telling us he is the fulfilled promise of this perfect shepherd from Ezekiel 34. He is the fulfilled promise of, of the good and perfect shepherd. Uh, he is unlike the bad shepherds that Israel had experienced in the past. And if we compare Jesus as this good shepherd with the bad shepherds from Israel, maybe even the bad shepherds we've experienced in our own lives, uh, we see a stark contrast. We see that Jesus, much like God said he would, protects, not exploits. See, he tells us that when trouble comes our way, when the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, he will protect us. He is committed to protecting us. He's not like a hired hand. He's not like a field worker coming in and not caring for the sheep. He is dedicated to us. He will not abandon us. He will not leave us. He will not exploit us in our times of need. Instead, he will protect us. Jesus, number two, provides for the weak and defenseless not deflects responsibility. In this metaphor, we are the sheep, right? And to put it simply, sheep don't often have 
the full permission to do everything they want. They are under control of their shepherd. And this Jesus is telling us, I will provide for you. Jesus promises to take care of us, to provide for us, and not ignore or deflect that responsibility to others like a bad shepherd would. And number three, Jesus tells us that he will unite his people through love, not ignite hatred of others. Jesus tells us in this passage that he's got other sheep not in this pen. And he's talking to the Jewish leaders at this time. And what he's saying is all people are going to be welcomed under me in my love. I am going to unite people through myself. Jesus, God in the flesh, is going to unite people through his love. And he's died for us to do that. And so with this truth, I think there's uh, really two significant ways I think we can look to apply that to our lives this week. Number one, I think uh, we can allow it to challenge uh, our experiences and our beliefs, uh, particularly in regards to uh, the circumstances of where we've had a bad shepherd in our own life. As we talked about a little bit earlier, there's a good chance many of us have actually experienced a bad shepherd someone that we trusted as an authority or as a leader, someone who in turn uh, hurt us and left us with scars. And maybe the devastation that came from that has left us with a little bit of skepticism or doubt uh, as to God being a good shepherd, as to God being what, what can he actually do to love me as the good shepherd. And my hope and my prayer for those of you who have experienced that um, is that you would find the courage uh, to speak honestly with Jesus about those experiences that you've gone through, that you would lay those before him and let him know uh, where you've been hurt, how you've been taken advantage of, how you've maybe been exploited or unprotected, whatever that has looked like, that you would have the courage to let God know that. One of the most beautiful things I, I think about in the Bible is the raw honesty of people with God who go before him and say, God, this is exactly how I'm feeling. This is exactly what I've experienced, God. This is, this is it. This is everything. And through that time, uh, God turns around and he shows them who his true character is. He shows them his qualities, his love, his grace, and his peace. And for those of you who have experienced a bad shepherd, and maybe that has led to some doubt, some skepticism, some frustration even with God, uh, my hope for you is that you would give Jesus that opportunity this week to show you that he is the good shepherd, that you would give him the opportunity to show you uh, his protection, uh, his provision, and his love through unity. Number two, I think the second way we can apply that to our lives this week, this truth, is that we would emulate Jesus' example of being a good shepherd. You see, Jesus trusts us, uh, and he gives us the responsibility uh, to exemplify him even with all the flaws that we carry. We will never be the good and perfect shepherd, uh, but we can allow ourselves to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be the best possible shepherds we can be. And we can point people to the actual good and perfect shepherd in Jesus Christ. Working as a youth pastor over the last eight to nine years, I've been blessed to have a front row seat to see uh, hundreds of leaders lead junior high and high school students. And uh, I can tell you without a doubt, the very best leaders we've had come through our doors, whether they've been old, whether they've been young, whether they've been new, uh, whatever it's looked like, the very best ones have been the leaders uh, who've actually 
said, hey, God, would you just use me to love on these students? And these leaders show their shepherding qualities uh, through the same way God has. These leaders have protected their students from making bad decisions through giving them godly wisdom and advice. These leaders have provided for their students by being a listening ear, taking them out to food, lunch, and letting them process life with them. And these leaders have united their students together to love each other and to see each other as loved by Jesus, regardless of their diverse backgrounds. Leaders who've done that, leaders who have been good shepherds, uh, are the leaders that have their students come back years later and say, you've made a mark on me that I'm never gonna forget. You are the leader who has protected me, who has shown me God's goodness. And they're the leaders who help students come to know the real Jesus as the good shepherd because they've exemplified his love and his leadership through all that they've done. And for all of us in this room, we have the very same opportunity to be good shepherds to the people God has put in our lives. Whether it's our friends, whether it's our neighbors, whether it's family members, whoever it is, we have the opportunity every day to show them uh, what a good shepherd looks like, and to point them to the very uh, best shepherd, the perfect shepherd in Jesus Christ. Now, as kind, as peaceful, and as assuring as Randy, the Caltrans worker, was, and I'm sure probably still is, uh, Jesus proved uh, to Haley and I that weekend that he is the good and perfect shepherd. See, as we continued on to Tahoe after we got through that spin-out mess, uh, we had many more things go wrong. Can you believe that? Uh, it was pitch black outside. We were still two hours away, still snow pouring down. Uh, one of my windshield wipers flew off, the driver's side. And so I couldn't see a thing. Snow was caking on. I'm driving, looking out the top center of it as we can you know, make our way on the road. Just terrifying experience. We had wind, rain, fog, all sorts of things. Horrible things happen on that trip to Tahoe. Uh, and through all of that, it became apparent to me uh, that Randy didn't have control over much of that, if any of that. Uh, but Jesus, Jesus absolutely did. Uh, Haley and I pray a lot, but we've never prayed as much as we have in our lives uh, as we did on that trip. And Jesus showed us on that trip, honestly, I'm telling you from the bottom of my heart, that he is still in control, that he still guides, and he still protects, just like a good and perfect shepherd. He protected us on that trip. Praise God, we're still alive. Uh, he provided for us. We found a hotel to stay in the night before, literally in this little town that had like nothing happening in it. They had like a room for us so that we didn't drive and, and possibly face even more danger. We got to Tahoe a day late, which was totally fine. Uh, and, and God even showed us uh, his unity through uniting Haley and I through that experience and uniting us uh, in him. And so this morning, I hope for us, as we think about Jesus as the good and perfect shepherd, uh, that we would come to trust that he is who he says he is and that he'll do what he says he'll do, that he'll provide for us, that he'll protect us, and that he'll unite us in his love. Now, like we said at the top, uh, the imagery of being a shepherd is all throughout the Bible. It's, it's a way they describe God. It's the way they describe Jesus here. And there's a lot of really great passages of scripture that highlight that in God. And for this morning, I thought of no better way for us to close uh, than to reflect and think about a really beautiful passage written in the Psalms by uh, King David. And so uh, if you would join me, would you close your eyes?
And would you just uh, let these uh, words soak in your soul, uh, refresh you, uh, change your perspective on who God is as the good shepherd? Um, would you allow them to penetrate your heart and to ignite um, what God's doing in you this morning? The words from Psalm 23 from David say this, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus is a good shepherd. And thank you, Blake, for that great reminder. As we go into uh, 2023, I think it's important for us to look back at 2022. And uh, 10 months ago, I was sitting with the Lord in light of this passage and this message and realizing where we were going to go and kind of knowing a little bit of what God put on Blake's heart to share with us and, and thinking, okay, as we kind of come to the end of this, this year, uh, and into Christmas services next week, how important it is for us to look back in the last 10 months. Uh, 10 months ago, I put a few notes down here uh, of what God's done in our church. 10 months ago, most of us in this room didn't even know who each other were. Maybe 20 of us did. 10 months ago, uh, most of us weren't in community. And now, as we look around, uh, not only do we see an amazing church here, but we see people who are in community building that. Uh, Ten months ago, we had a setup and teardown team, and uh, whether it was hot or in the cold, uh, we were doing it. And uh, and uh, our kids were basically doing church in a mini bar. Okay, just want you to know. If you didn't know that, parents, just want you confess that to you right now. We locked it all up, but that was what's happening. Okay, remember that? Remember that? Um, Ten months ago, uh, some of us had experienced loss over the last twenty over twenty twenty two. I know there's been deaths in your life, people passed away, you lost jobs in 2022. But in 2022, you've also experienced life as well. Some of us got married, uh, some of us started new jobs, some of us got pregnant, some of us started to date somebody, hey, hey, come on. Um, 2022, some of us began new, new spiritual habits. Uh, you took risks in your faith, you invited people into your homes, you made meals for them. You brought meals to this church. Um, some of us here got baptized. Oh, man. We took communion together. 2022, we paid attention to the things that were in our minds and our hearts, our anxiety. We said no to sin. In 2022, God uh, led us into a new facility right here. Uh, he gave us kids' rooms and not a mini bar. We got 40 kids in our kids' ministry now, which is awesome. Today, they're actually celebrating Jesus' birthday, having a birthday for Jesus. 
Um, in 2022, we served the community. We did boxes of love, which Michaela delivered this past week. And she told me when she walked in that there was a whole area for uh, foster students who were adolescents that had been left empty because no one had provided uh, presents for them. And our church got to fill those rows with boxes of love from you. And Olive Crest, uh, yeah, thank you, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah, give it up, right? They said thank you to this congregation because that was what they really needed. In 2022, we hosted a first responder training. We put on a trunk or treat. We did market nights and movie nights in the summertime. We encouraged a church planner and his wife, um, and we helped East Brew. Remember that when they got broken into and we gave to help recover kind of what was lost and redo their, their building. Um, this church did a lot in 2022, incredible. But it would be wrong of us to just say, we did a lot. It was the great she good shepherd doing it in and through us, right? Now the question I have for us as we close and worship the Lord is this, how about in the next 10 months? How about in the next 10 months? What are we gonna see? What are we gonna see God do? This good shepherd who promises provide and protect and unite. I can't wait. I mean, we, we, we finished our planning this last year, right? Come on, Tori knows. In the middle of Christmas uh, planning, we plan next year, all right? Crazy week this week. Uh, but we plan the coming year, and we're, we're so excited for what we're gonna do in the new year, prayer and worship and um, some really cool opportunities for community. And, but what will God do in your life in 2023? I hope that in the next week and a half, on our last Sunday here, as we think about what's gonna happen in January, that you can begin even just ask the good shepherd, Jesus, what do you have for me in 2023? Because in John chapter 10, verse 10, um, Jesus said these famous words, I've come that you would have life and have it to the full. So Jesus wants life. What does that look like? And then as Blake mentioned, that part of the sheep, they hear his voice. You can hear Jesus's voice. If you know him, you know his voice. So what is he saying to you as we go into 2023? What does he want for you? What does that look like? I pray as, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a flawed shepherd that you'll take time over the next couple weeks to ask Jesus that. Jesus, what do you want from me in 2023? We're asking that on behalf of each other as a church. Jesus, take us into 2023 with great faith. I want you to know how excited I am for this church. I'm so thankful that God brought each one of you I can't say this enough, but we love you and you are not here for a coincidence. It is a reason and a purpose that God has brought you here and we love this church. This is an awesome place. And so thank you. Um, thank you for all this meant for 2022. What a great year. And uh, let me close us in prayer and we'll stand and just worship Jesus for the God that he is. Would you stand with me? Lord, 